In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. The topic of this meditation can be summed up in one word, Mary. Mater pulcre delectionis, Mother of fair love, Mother of the fairest love, Mother of beautiful love, Mother of pure love, the perfect mother and model for all mothers, both those called to physical motherhood and those called to spiritual motherhood. First of all, let us remember Mary is a woman, a real flesh and blood woman. She's not a statue, an icon, or even an apparition. And she is a beautiful woman, beautiful in feature, beautiful in body, beautiful in soul. She is the most perfect creature to ever come forth from God's creative hands, barring none. She was given the fullness of grace from the very first moment of her earthly conception and her own mother's womb. In the 4th century, St. Ephraim of Syria presented Mary as the icon of beauty. Quote, she is holy in her body, beautiful in her spirit, pure in her thoughts, honest in her intelligence, perfect in her feelings, chaste, firm in her resolutions, immaculate in her heart, eminent, filled with all the virtues. Indeed, she was filled with every possible human and supernatural virtue from the first moment. She is the first and the best disciple of Jesus, a model for all believers, both men and women, from the very first moment of her earthly existence by the will of God. But because she is a woman, she is in a very special way a model in fact, the model for women of all ages and all situations in life, because she's the woman of all seasons. She was daughter. She is virgin, wife, mother, and widow. She's the perfect model of femininity, the perfect model for all women, the perfect model of true motherhood, whether of the flesh or of the Spirit. But what does Mary mean for our nation, the United States of America? The answer to that question is everything. In 1792, the Most Reverend John Carroll of Baltimore, America's first Roman Catholic bishop, and the only one at that time, chose the Blessed Virgin Mary as a patroness of the United States and consecrated the newly created nation under her protection. This had to be an extraordinary inspiration from above for him to do this. Very bold. Next, all the bishops of the United States on May the 13th, 1846, unanimously chose Mary under the title of the Immaculate Conception as the patroness of our land. All of this was reaffirmed in 1959 
when the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception was dedicated in Washington, D.C., when the bishops of the United States consecrated the country to her. Construction on that shrine had begun in 1920, but it was delayed by the Great Depression and again by the Second World War. Following the war, in 1953, the American bishops, on the leadership of two of them, Bishop John Knoll, N-O-L-L, Archbishop of Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Archbishop Patrick O'Boyle of Washington, D.C., renewed the construction, which was finally completed in 1959. Keep in mind that the money that was enabled the construction to be to be completed, which was begun in, in 1920 and finished in 1959, the money came from everyone. Ordinary people donated, some of them pennies, nickels, dimes. Everyone contributed to the best of their ability. It was truly a kind of plebiscite on the part of the Catholic people of the United States of America. Everyone had a part to play in that construction of the Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. So then, on November 20th, 1959, thousands of Catholics gathered with the bishops for the dedication of the shrine. On that day, they made an act of consecration to our Blessed Mother following the end of the Mass in the upper church, while simultaneously the same thing was done in parish churches throughout the United States. The prayer of consecration at that time read, Most Holy Trinity, our Father in Heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our President and all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the poor, the tempted sinners, on all who are in need. Mary Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from all harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Thus ends the consecration prayer on that day of 1959. Decades later, on November the 11th, 2006, the United States bishops reconsecrated the country to the Immaculate Conception 
at the very same place, namely at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. The wording of the reconsecration prayer is very similar to the original wording. However, it is longer and it is more solemn. And notice the emphatic use of the word sorrowful. The consecration prayer of 2006 reads as follows. Holy Trinity, our Father in heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, in union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Pretty much the same as the original first paragraph. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America in the hands of Mary, of Mary, Immaculate, in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on our President and all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital, industry, and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our Mother, have mercy on the sick, the poor, the tempted sinners, on all who are in need. Again, that second paragraph of the prayer of consecration or reconsecration is almost exactly the same as the original one. But then listen to the following three new uh, petitions. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our Mother, Patroness of a Land, we praise you and honor you and give our country and ourselves to your sorrowful and immaculate heart. O sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, pierced by the sword of sorrow prophesied by Simeon, save us from degeneration, disaster, and war. Protect us from all harm. O sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary, you who bore the sufferings of your Son in the depths of your heart, be our advocate. Pray for us that acting according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. I think that the introduction of these three new petitions, which characterized by recourse to the sorrowful and immaculate heart of Mary in that second consecration of 2006, is an echo of the pain, the desire for atonement, that we all experience because of the striking irony that in our nation's capital, a terrible decision was made in 1973 to legitimize abortion. In the very same place where we Catholics pray and remind everyone that Mary was preserved free of all sin from the very first moment of her conception, namely the beginning of her own life and the womb of her mother, St. Anne. So yes, there is sorrow. You might say the bishops pulled the punch a little bit, but I think we sense the solemnity of their newly extended prayer of consecration. And the obvious conclusion is Mary, 
is a great ally in the long uphill battle to bring the conscience of a nation back to the inviolable sanctity of human life and what it really means to be a mother. Last year, on May the 1st, 2020, Archbishop Jose Gomez of Los Angeles, President of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, together with all of the bishops in the United States and Canada, consecrated two nations to the care of the Blessed Mother on the title Mary, Mother of the Church. This was prompted by the current uh, pandemic that we have of coronavirus. But again, it's the idea of the bishops speaking in the name of every baptized and God willing practicing Catholic of the United States and of Canada, that we place our nation, our nations, under the care of Mary, and she is mother of the church, the Immaculate Conception, and mother of the church, mother of our nation. Notice the the sequence of dates. First of all, this consecration of 2020, briefly done, and with a particular need in mind, nevertheless reaffirms the bishop's previous consecrations of the United States to our Blessed Mother Mary in 1792, 1846, 1959, 2006. And notice, you and I, as people of God, are automatically included in these various acts of consecration. It isn't an abstraction called the nation. It's the people of God, the people of the nation. Those were Catholic. Those were Christian and not Catholic. Those who have fallen away from the practice of the Catholic faith. Those who have abandoned Christianity. Those who have turned their back on God. Those who have never known God. The non-baptized, the non-churched. Everyone is included in his consecration. We are a Marian people. We are a Marian nation. Mary is a core natural patron in this great task of waking people up and winning them or winning them back for God, for Jesus Christ, and for the Church. Going back a little bit to the pontificate of John Paul II, now St. John Paul, he gave to Mary the official title of Patroness of All America, and star of the first and a new evangelization. Very bold and, and rather original wording. Patroness of all America, star of the first and the new evangelization. What was the first evangelization? That which occurred in December 1531 at Tepeyac, Mexico City. The apparition of a lady of Guadalupe which in, within five years, it brought about a mass conversion of mega millions of indigenous people to Christ Jesus and the Catholic faith. Simultaneous with what was happening in Europe with the disaster of the Reformation, this Protestant revolt that led millions of people away from the practice of the Catholic faith. Our Mother Mary did something wonderful then, in 1531. She converted a nation to her son. She evangelized. She presented her son as a good news to those good people 
of Mexico, and she did it effectively. He, John Paul II uses the word star. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Mary is a star. We speak of people who are stars in our culture, movie stars, rock stars, baseball stars, star quarterbacks, etc. What do we mean when we use the word star? They're persons who stand out above others by their accomplishments or their talents. They perform very well. They are beautiful and attractive people, usually. People whom we admire. Well, the Blessed Virgin Mary is a star. And notice the titles that we give her traditionally in our Catholic liturgy, in our Catholic piety. She is star of the sea, star of the east, morning star. She stands out. She performs perfectly. She is the most beautiful and most admirable of all stars. She is especially the star of that first and now the new evangelization. We could say that a Blessed Mother accomplished on a grand scale in Mexico in 1531 what she had done, let's say, on a smaller scale at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. There she told the servants, do whatever he tells you. St. Rosaria commented on that at one time with these words, that's what it's all about, getting people to face Jesus and ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what does he tell us to do? Count on the help of Mary, Queen of Apostles. So in our personal work of evangelization, a personal apostolate, we should engage our Mother Mary as a great evangelizer. And I would like to conclude with these petitions addressed directly to Mary as Mother. Mother, show us how to bring Christ to others and how to bring others to Christ. Mother, do again in the United States of America what you did in Mexico in 1531. Be the evangelizer of our new evangelization. Mother, intercede for us as we try to bring Christ to others and others to Christ. Put your words on our lips. Make us effective instruments of Christ's redemptive work. Mother, lead all of us, but especially young women, to comprehend and love the grandeur of becoming mothers, following you as their model. Mother, intercede for those whom you're trying to bring closer to your son. Mother, you who effected the first evangelization of America, bring about the effective evangelization of our very needy country today. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Knock on every heart and say, do what he tells you. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.